right, welcome to the latest episode of the Columbia Basin Conservative Institute podcast. Josh and Ken here as per usual. So, Ken, I am uh, I'm pleased to report that, you know, a, a scant few minutes ago, I retrieved my ballot from the mailbox and dutifully opened it, and I was able to happily vote for Nikki Haley because she has not dropped out of the presidential race. And, you know, since I've dragged my children on so many doorbelling adventures, my five-year-old proclaimed when I asked, hey, do you want to help me vote? She said, can we vote for Stephanie in April? And I said, well, no, this is the presidential primary, and we also... We, we also don't live in the 8th Legislative District, so come on, get in the game. But <laughs> I, I was thrilled to be able to vote for Nikki. I was a little worried that with her announcement that she was having a press conference last week that maybe she was dropping out. But I kind of I kind of knew in the back of my head, like, no, she's, she's not going to drop out right now. But um, I, I proudly filled in the ballot for her, and I'm excited to try and drop that off tomorrow as soon as possible because i know uh, our election's not for what another three weeks here but i want i want to get it in there just in case so uh what, you're what not gonna wait thoughts? till the end to make sure no, no one tampers with it oh, oh geez yeah, all right i guess you're uh playing with fire there josh <laughs> we can go down that whole path from two years ago where <laughs> no, that was no, no, let's, let's skip it let's yeah. just let's just pretend like i didn't say anything <laughs> uh no i i'm i'm happy to see you're still in the race as well uh, I find myself waking up, fingers crossed, that if she does drop out, when she does drop out, maybe, but if she does drop out, um, I hope she stands on principle. You you don't, I, I don't want her to pull her on DeSantis or a Tim Scott and, you know, just immediately jump on the Trump train because that's what, uh, well, and ask, ask DeSantis if it's helped him politically in the long run so far. But, um, yeah, because I've been I've been pleasantly surprised she's still in because by all polling accounts, it doesn't look great. Um, I mean, it hasn't looked great for a long time. And so I, I just kind of keep wondering, what is her end game? If not, then if if maybe she's just having fun, it looks like she's having fun. But also maybe she is just kind of standing on principle saying, hey, here's what here's what conservatism used to mean. Here's what free market principles look like uh and someone as a representative of this major of this major party should be proclaiming those values and and if that's all she's doing i i'm gonna applaud it i'm gonna vote for her with uh you know a a level of excitement and maybe a tinge of hope (laughs) but not too much because you know again things don't look great but um yeah I, i i just still can't quite figure out if she's got i mean she's a politician you don't rise to this level of anything in that world and not be, um, you know, have some sort of long game in, in the back of your mind. And so I, I'm, I've been trying to figure it out, but I've, I've got no angle of what her, because on its face, it doesn't seem to set her up well for 2028. Um, it certainly doesn't get her into a Trump cabinet or VP position or talk. That's, that's pretty much out the window. So I, I, yeah, I guess she's just having fun and wants to stay in it for that reason. Otherwise, I've got no idea what she's still doing in there. And, and I, I say that as someone who's excited and happy to see her still in the race. I don't want that to sound like a criticism of why you in it, Nikki. Uh, I, I'm excited that she is. I just don't know why she's still running. <laughs> I, I wish she was this forthright and aggressive early on in the campaign. It seems like it wasn't until it was down to three that she really 
well, even then at the last debate with Ron DeSantis, she was, they were still trading barbs amongst each other. But now she's really going after Donald Trump. And I think rightly so. She should have been doing this all along. The thing that I really appreciate is what I've heard recently from her is that she doesn't really care about her future electoral prospects. And that may or may not be true, but I love that. I, th- that should be the approach that, you know, I, there's a game to be played politically. I totally understand that. She is. I don't not- know. She's, she's only 52. Unless she's going to go um, on a bank run after this and just start making money. I don't know how she can't not be thinking about her political future right now. No, I, I mean, 50, yeah. 52 is the new 20 something, right? In today's world of professional <laughs> politics. Well, clearly, when you can run for president when you're 81, then yeah, she's got, she has a lifetime ahead of her. But um, it, I, I think more that she's saying she doesn't care about her future electoral prospects. Maybe that's not, maybe that's slightly disingenuous, but I still appreciate the thought. That, you know, unlike someone like Ron DeSantis or others, where they're clearly maneuvering their chess pieces for 2028, um, I'd rather have you go out guns a blazing and say, like, well, you know, damn the torpedoes. But we'll we'll see what lies ahead. I think it it's a smart move in one regard it, that she's the only other viable candidate at this point if something catastrophic were to happen. I mean, I, I know... Donald Trump won't withdraw, even if he was literally behind bars, he would be running and people would be voting for him and possibly even in greater numbers. But I I think that she's she should be commended for sticking it out and being willing to undergo the ire of Trump right now because Donald Trump would love nothing more right now than completely focus on on Joe Biden, but you know, in the meantime, he's going to have to continue to hurl um, insults at Nikki Haley. But just just glad that I could vote and have it mean something because I uh, was unable to participate in the Republican primary last uh, election cycle. Primary election cycle that is for for Donald Trump. I did not want to participate in that. So glad I could. Uh, cast that vote and looking forward to dropping that in the mailbox tomorrow to make sure that that gets in marked before anything changes before anything changes to your ballot is that uh or no i was no i was gonna say if if nikki haley were to have dropped out then i thought like oh maybe i'll vote for chris christie or something like that we can skip that i thought you were making a joke about uh, election fraud there no 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 we'll leave that in no it it was really like even if if she had dropped out i might have might have voted for chris christie on some other different principle but um just the fact that she's in the race, I I want to see how those ballots are counted. So just for Washington's sake, I want her to stick it out through Super Tuesday and then even even beyond because ballots will, will be there. And so that's uh, one vote for Nikki Haley from this household. So you think, let's say, uh, you know, actuarially, actuarial table-wise, uh, Donald Trump's of the age where this has to be part of the calculus. If a health event were to occur and he were to be, you know, removed from the ballot, unable to run because he 
is uh, you know, be placed placed in the ground. Yeah, to the dust he shall return. Um, if if that were to take place, you think Nikki Haley is next in line to get the Republican nod, and it wouldn't go to like some open convention, and then probably to a DeSantis or uh, even shudder to say this, but a Vivek. I, Vivek, that, I, I forgot how to say his name. Ramaswamy. I, I look forward to us all forgetting that name, but that that goes way beyond my political acumen on the national scale because other things come into play. Of course, Nikki will have some delegates in the bag. Does that mean anything? Do every state? This has actually been asked. I, I listen to so many podcasts as you do as well. I, I know this has been asked if Donald Trump were to be wiped off the map, so to speak, what happens to those delegates? It, it m- matters what state you're talking about. So some of those would be essentially forfeited um, for the most part, because that candidate would no longer be there. But um, then how do they re-vote for those delegates? So is it up to the state party? Do they have to hold another uh, convention or some some sort? But I, I think it puts her at least in the vicinity of it. And if it ends up being Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley or, or whoever, anyone short of Donald Trump and Vivek, um, I wouldn't be complaining all that much. So I'm not going to, I will not say I'm crossing my fingers or um, doing any sort of seance with uh, rabbit's foot. <laughs> Or anything like that, I it, I will just take what happens. But at this point, I'm uh, I'm hoping for a miracle. Yeah, I, I will say as a word of caution because of course she listens to this. Um, <clears throat> as a word of caution to Haley, if when she does drop out, um, I would just take a good look at what's currently happening to Ron DeSantis in the MAGA world right now. He dropped out, immediately put his support behind Trump. Uh, I think went to South Carolina right recently and did a few other events for him. And is still just getting roasted by so many of the Trump delegates and uh, online talking heads and things in that world. So, you know, maybe it's easier for some to sell their souls than others, but uh, I don't know that it's having the, you know, uh, I don't know that he's ingratiated himself into that world like he had maybe hoped. Um so, you know, maybe it's maybe, and this is where I'd like to think that I'd be if I were in that space. Maybe it's just easier to stand on principle and do the thing that's going to be the easiest for you to sleep at night when you uh, lay down. So, um, yeah, I, but it, yeah, let's excited that she's still in it. Hopefully she can pull together a miracle. Um, and, you know, we'll be looking at President Nikki Haley in a, in a not too distant future. Well, uh, to, to transition slightly, Ken, I, I want to ask you a sort of a philosophical mood question here. Do you ever yearn? Because, you know, <sighs> sometimes I, I sit and yearn. And do you know what I yearn for? I yearn. I couldn't, I couldn't begin to guess. <laughs> I yearn for a Congress that people like Ben Sass and Mike Gallagher and indeed Kathy McMorris want to serve in what, and I ended that with a preposition and that's distracting me, but 
you know, um, the news that Kathy McMorris was essentially well, was not running for re-election surprised me a little bit. I assumed that she was going to run for another two, three terms, um, something like that. I know she's been there a while. Like, believe me, I was, I was in Spokane in college when she was uh, running for the first time for Congress, and it's been a while. Uh, my gray hair shows it, so. She's had a good run there, but I, you know, she's still young, figured she'd be in there a few, few more terms. But then when you messaged me that our beloved Mike Gallagher was also not running for re-election, and I had to look up how old he was. He's younger than I am. And the fact that he's in Congress and no longer wants to serve in Congress. And, I, and we don't have the backstory, but, um, you know, we mentioned him in our episode that we had with Dan Newhouse because Mike Gallagher is the chair of the select committee on China and Dan Newhouse serves on that. Fantastic work there. Yeah. And, you know, he's, I I don't have his resume in front of me, but I know he's like former military officer. He, uh, I, I can't, I don't, I don't want to just rattle off like degrees and credentials and all that. But if you, in, if you were in a better up, world, yeah. we, we could, we could put it this way in a better world, he'd be the type of person that you'd talk about elevating to speaker someday or vice president, not someone like Elise Stefanik. Well, I wasn't even going to say vice president. I was like, he, he, he's being, from, or just leadership, just leadership. Well, no, I was going to go beyond that is what I was going to say, oh. because I was going to say he, his background and the fact that he's from a state like Wisconsin is he he's presidential material if you are going to design it in a lab. And I understand that people no longer like that, but it gave me some hope that here's, here's a guy who's a classical conservative and he's 39 and doesn't want to be in Congress anymore. And I hope he has better things in front of him. You know, Ben Sass, who's another one of um, our, our favorites left the Senate not long ago to be the president at the University of Florida. And I, I don't know what Mike Gallagher has in front of him, but I yearn, I yearn for a, a, a Congress that attracts the right type of people. And so it saddens me, troubles me that Mike Gallagher is leaving. You know, Kathy's a little bit older, so maybe she just wants to let someone else go. She wants to spend more time with her family, blah, blah, blah. To- totally get that. But um, I, I hope we're attracting the right type of people, not just people that are wanting to be part of the nonsense that's going over there. And th- that's what I feel like we're attracting. It It's mostly troubling that it seems like the people that are over there trying to do the work are saying, forget it. I can't get anything done. It's not worth it. And then what's going to come up behind them could be troubling, but I will say I am cautiously optimistic, at least in Washington's fifth, that we at least have a couple of potential candidates, a couple of real candidates. And, um, you know, Jacqueline Maycumber has announced that she's running. I met her at a event not long ago for Stephanie Barnard down here in the Tri-Cities area. Um, Michael Baumgartner has an announcement to make on Monday that he's has an exciting opportunity ahead of him. 
I don't know if he's running for dog catcher or something grander than that. I, I know that Lauren Culp has already endorsed someone, so I know that that person is not worth considering. So I that does that math for me. I don't think I saw that. Who, who, I, I, who's I would have to look it up. I Sorry, Nick, you caught me in not doing my homework here. I, mm-hmm. I will... St- was it the, the only other one I know who's running is Brian? Yeah, I, I think I think you got it there. So tell me about him because I don't know the name actually. I think he's former state senator. Um, has a farming background. I think um, got into politics pretty early on. I want to say he maybe started out as like a county executive, uh, county commissioner. Yeah, um, he was a ferry ferry yeah, county and, commissioner. And did, didn't he go and serve in the? Okay, yeah. And then didn't he go and serve? I think he left the Senate to serve in the Trump administration in some way. Um, yeah, he right. was an advisor to the National Economic Council and the U.S. Department of Agriculture in the Trump administration, which that is not me recalling that suddenly. That's you know me pulling that up from uh, the Spokesman Review. So, yeah, that's the name. Brian, Brian Danzel, <laughs> um, Lauren Kolb came out and immediately endorsed him. Even though Lauren... Yeah, and that's a that's a bit of a red flag on my part too. That's, I that's say. A even, giant even if red flag. Hey, maybe that's, maybe Brian Dam's I, I, No, I, I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, there's no chance that. Yeah. No, well, the fact come back that Lauren that. Culp okay. is endorsing this guy, and then on in the meantime, I know Michael, I know Michael Baumgartner, and then Jacqueline Maycumber is endorsed by that, uh, all yeah. sorts of state reps and other people that I respect, and Lauren Culp is someone who I would have trouble <laughs> micturating upon would he catch fire. So um, that's that says a lot to me. So anyway, I uh, I hope that that turns out well. But at the, me- at the same time, I'm still like, at the same time, I want to have a conversation with either Jacqueline or Michael or anyone else. Like, why would you do this? Like, why would you want to do this? So... Yeah. No, I, I thought that I figured the transition was, um, you know, going from talked about having just re- no hope, little chance of Nikki Haley pulling it out. But I think the one thing in politics right now that has an even less of a chance of it happening is Congress becoming a place that, you know, good people want to work again. And because it is just an absolute train wreck and that's putting it nicely. So, yeah, I, I my first question, if either of them came on the podcast is, um, not, you know, why you, why you want to run, why you qualified, but just why do you want to do this? <laughs> Cause that, and who, who knows, could be pleasantly surprised. Um, Congress could turn around somehow, I guess miracles happen all the time, but by all accounts, it doesn't look like it's getting any better. Um, right now, both likelihoods of, or the, the, the likely two options of um, the person occupying the White House for the next uh, uh, term is not going to be great for Congress or, I guess, adults in general anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I don't... And Maybe maybe someone like Baumgartner or Maycumber figure if they get in now, um, that's a pretty safe seat. They can hold on to it for a while and eventually get to a place of influence um, like Kathy had found herself in. She made herself... Uh, um, uh, made herself in leadership and had a, a chairmanship and it just escaped me which one she held <clears throat> but 
so I guess you put in your dues now and just hope that you can stay quiet enough for a few terms and then finally do something. But that's a lot of cross-country flights for not the most fun job. At least I, I don't look at it and say, boy, I would love to spend a seven-hour flight to go you know, get yelled at by strangers. Yeah, and I know that's part of what uh, Michael Baumgartner is considering. He has a young family and do you want to deal with those cross country flights like you mentioned? And yeah, it is kind of a bummer that we have DC and oh, this is going to come up later again. <laughs> mark, mark it because you're not ready for this. I have not warned you. But um, the fact that DC oh is on the East Coast and it makes it harder for makes it harder for representatives on the, the West Coast to live their lives and interact with their constituents and and their their families so that's another consideration like do you want to deal with that aspect and so uh, it it certainly makes it more challenging for people on the west coast who aren't fully committed to the idea of i want to live a dcu lifestyle so yeah i i did just want to add um one thing though to go back i am pretty saddened about mike gallagher not just for the well, i don't know about president uh, uh, i didn't really quite see that but I thought he'd make himself into. Uh, I wasn't sorry. I wasn't. Yeah. Rise, rise I, up. I, no, I was. I, he, oh, I wasn't saying in the next five or even ten years. He's thirty nine. I was thinking like twenty years from now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. Sure. I mean, the, I think the, the 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 through line of a successful career for him would be that just that yes. he's very competent and uh, willing to do the actual job of what a member of Congress is there to do. So that's exactly why he'd never be president. Um, <laughs> but. I, I am pretty saddened by it. I, well, I'm not pretty sad. I'm very saddened by it. Not just, again, for the long-term kind of health of Congress, for, you know, a, a competent individual like that to leave. Um, you know, I, I could have seen him running for U.S. Senate down the line, whatever. I, I'm mostly saddened by just, you know, the, oftentimes candidates will say we have important work to do and they'll go there and do nothing or they'll yell about the, uh, the border and when they have a chance to fix it or address it, not fix it, but address it and improve it. They, you know, ball can find some reason not to, <clears throat> and then go back to district and say, we have important work to do. I need to go back there. So give me money. But Mike Gallagher is doing actual important work. Very, very important work when it comes to his um, committee on, on China, the threat that they pose there. Um, you know, not just yelling about tariffs, but actually digging into so and and you know some stuff like what 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 uh, Congressman Denuhouse is addressing with uh, regards to um, land purchases, um, you know. So I, I'm I wish he'd said, hey, in in three terms, I'm not going to run again because I feel like that's how many years I want him to spend just digging into this issue. And unfortunately, the American people aren't going to have the benefit of. His presence in Congress, do just that. I, I mean, I'm sure he'll be working on it in some way or another outside of Congress, and maybe that'll be as influential, if not more. I, I you know, can only hope that that's what he does. But um, yeah, I was very sad to see that he's stepping yeah, and away. And he said, you know, he's he's not stepping away from public policy. So I'm, I'm curious to see what role he takes. And similar to Ben Sass, who said he's not stepping away from the public arena, he was going to make real impacts on lives and be the president of the University of Florida. And 
I, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe their political days aren't over. They're both young. The political arena needs to become more healthy in the meantime. Um, you know, yeah, you mentioned uh, Kathy McMorris being a chair. Yeah, she's the chair of the um, Commerce or Energy and Commerce Committee, I think it's called. And that's right. Which, that's right. Which sounds yeah. important. I'll I'll say you know energy and commerce. Um, so that that's uh that's unfortunate, but you know wish wish her well. Yeah, I remember her being. I mean, yeah, she was rough. I mean, a little bit older than me, but um, young uh young state rep running for Congress when I was there running her predecessors. Uh, Senate campaign, George Nethercutt said run for Senate. I, I was not running it, sorry. Um, I was a uh, part of it, but he decided to move from the, the House to Senate, in part because you mentioned uh, running for for a, a certain number of years, and George Nethercutt had run in the Republican Revolution in 1994, um, Mm-hmm. against then House Speaker Tom Foley. So the Speaker of the House was Tom oh, Foley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, out of eastern Washington, which is, you know, shocking to hear at this point. You're like, yeah, and, you know, now they seem to be all throughout the country. But um, George Nethercutt was the chair of the Spokane County Republican Party, and he ran against the then sitting Speaker as a long shot. And it just so happened to be the midterm of the pres- uh, of president clinton's term where the um we had the contract with america newt gingrich had published a lot of principles and in short uh, there was a lot of pushback against these career politicians and in favor of career americans uh, excuse me um but so George Nethercutt won in in a surprise election in part because he said, oh, I'm only going to run for three terms. And then he broke his prom- promise, ran for another term, then ran for another term. And he decided, like, all right, my constituents are going to not not be down with this if I uh, turn into the long-term congressman that I replaced. And so he decided to roll his dice and try and defeat Patty Murray, which we promptly got our butts kicked. But in the meantime, there was a, a new rush to see who could take over his seat. And uh, I, I guess I should have been running. <laughs> I should have been helping uh, Kathy McMorris in her congressional race rather than a, a failed Senate race at that point. I think it turned out, I think it turned out just fine. Yeah, for well, no, she didn't, she didn't need me. As <laughs> she, that's what I'm saying. She didn't need me. I'm saying I could have glommed onto that and like rode my way into uh, <laughs> new heights. And, you know, I, I could be another, another DC power broker, but uh, no. Uh, yeah. If no, only. Just, just kidding. People don't know most of humor. So, um, well, all right, let, let's transition yet again. We, we started big. And we're transitioning down to the local level, and we'll we'll keep going down that way. So, you know, Ken, I I kind of kept this from you a little bit because I there have been other times where I've told you about something going on, and we do our little uh, pregame meetup here right before we're about to record, and I get your initial reaction, and I think like, oh, that that should have been on the pod, and so. 
I did tell you that I attended the Yakima County PCO meeting this past week, and but I, I didn't tell you anything that went down for for on purpose. So a uh, yeah. a, a volunteer from the Dan Newhouse camp invited me to attend the Yakima County PCO meeting this past week because they were doing essentially a candidate not a forum but um having each of the candidates for the fourth congressional district speak to the group and their intention was to potentially endorse a candidate that night so i was asked to attend um i went for my own morbid curiosity and and for backup because you know hey I, I don't know what uh, this particular volunteer is getting into I was like all right I'll go there support you and see how it goes down so I had never been to one of their meetings before I've been to plenty of uh, Benton County Republican Party meetings obviously as I'm telling the story Dan was not there he's doing his job Jared Sessler Yasek Kobiesa they were both there. If you want to learn more about them, you can listen to two episodes ago. Is is it two episodes ago or last two episodes ago? That's right. Um, You can hear all about our thoughts on them or my thoughts, excuse me, on them. But it was interesting. And I want to talk about some of the questions that were asked because I I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) this this is why I wanted to do it live so that I can get your your real live feedback here and that that can uh, egg me on here there was probably 50 60 people there pretty decent turnout i think so then they gave about 5 to 10 minutes to each candidate to speak and then allowed for questions to each candidate after that so it wasn't like a forum where they're all up in front they were yeah giving the candidate time to speak and then uh, time for questions and I, I, I'm not going to do any of the questions in sequential order, and I don't have... I wish I did have an audio recording to play. I don't. If at some point someone... So we're not going to get the same level of breakdown that no, we had in the like, episode? No, because, you know, Sussler had a team in Benton County doing some recording, and then he published it on YouTube. If he were to do the same, I will gladly, gladly come back in and redo this. And I, I know it's not the same effect to say like, and then so-and-so said this, and then this happened. But I want to summarize some of these questions that were asked from PCOs and and talk about all the implications because it's fascinating and <laughs> I can't wait for re- your reaction. So hold on, uh, really, really quick. I feel like I want to do just a, a smidge of, uh, I guess, level setting here for for... The questions you're about to share, I'm sure I'm I'm going to love all of them. Um, While you were there, did you get a sense of how these questions represent the county party as a whole? Like, do you think this was nutpicking or do you think this is this is the direction that the party is going? That that is a fantastic question. And I will allude to that in my response. I don't know. I, I hope I hope that it I'm not not picking, but I don't I, I really don't know because 
it's not like suddenly someone was up there and saying, what's your favorite Thomas Sowell book? I, these are the questions that were asked. And, and I don't have all the questions lined up. I wasn't there recording. I, I didn't even, I didn't take notes. Actually, this was, I came back and after, <laughs> after I unloaded on my wife, like you have no idea what I just witnessed. Um, I, I wrote or typed up some of the questions I remembered in just a few notes, but I, I should have been more dutiful, but I, you know, I will first off props, free pizza. There was free pizza. <laughs> there was free pizza. And I also yeah. had four grapefruit sparkling, essentially the Croix. And, you know, I want to insert my, um, Forrest Gump must've had me like 15 Dr. Peppers. I had four <laughs> grapefruit, um, and yeah, um, so, uh, prop, props for that. Hey, if you want to get PCOs out then, or have people drive an hour away, then have yourself some pizza, but great question. So I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I hope, and I, I'll back up and say, I met a couple PCOs who are, I think, fantastic. Um, I want to continue a conversation with them. I think that they're great people, but I have concerns because some of these questions were were moonbat moonbatish. I, I was pausing to remember. I almost said uh, bat s, but I was like, wait, what's our term? Moonbat. Yeah. So moon bat. one of the one of the first ones when so the first person up was Yasa Kobiasa. And then it was Jared Sessler, and then it was the representative uh, for the Newhouse campaign. But <clears throat> so these questions were asked not in order. I just want to like kind of highlight some of these questions. So when Newhouse's representative was up, a question was asked: Why did Dan Newhouse vote to expel a Republican member from the House? Essentially, when we're now down to a razor thin margin, and and the question was asked uh. specifically when he hasn't been convicted of a crime. And so we're obviously talking about George Santos. I think the the volunteer, the representative from the Newhouse campaign answered this question well by saying, you know, the House gets to set their own rules of membership. And there was overwhelming evidence that Santos had misused campaign funds. And, and in short, we shouldn't have people like that in Congress. But... I was sitting back there thinking, you know, I understand this question from a political standpoint. Again, razor thin margin for the House GOP. But the framing of the question bothered me in the fact that it was putting the onus on Dan Newhouse and not on the fact that there was a con artist in Congress who'd been charged with a litany of federal crimes. And I I get that, yeah, he's one... 435th of Congress, which unfortunately at this point matters and why that matters to the, to the PCO's question. Um, he's kind of important given that he's part of a, you know, thin, yeah, thin, but why do we have majority? a thin majority is <laughs> because we have, we, we fumbled this last election because we're so, ab- <sighs> all right, I, I need a beverage, but, um, because we can't we we can't actually run this party like we're trying to win. 
And what concerns me is that even though this wasn't Donald Trump on the ballot, it, it, it so often seems like it's a referendum on him because the Republican Party is still doing his bidding and he's the likely nominee in 2024. And to me, that spells doom for Republicans, not only throughout the country, but in Washington state, because while this, this is a blue state and Democrats, they've overreached, they've bungled a number of issues, you know, especially those that have led to the six initiatives that we've had a whole podcast about. But if Donald Trump is on the ballot in November, I'm not optimistic about our chances in this state in 2024 for the governor, for Senate, for any um, any contentious congressional races and all of our contentious legislative races. And the fact that we have, a, we have PCOs wondering how dare Dan Newhouse... And and they they didn't ask the question that contentious. I I will, I will caveat that. But how dare Dan Newhouse vote to expel someone when we have a razor thin margin? Well, Dan Newhouse has principles, and he should, and we also should as Republicans. And I hope the Democrats have similar principles, and they kick out people like you know who's what's the criminal that. Um, John Fetterman was going after and saying, "Oh, uh, um, the yeah, senator from um, New Jersey." Well, that doesn't narrow it down because I was thinking I want to say Torcelli, <laughs> but it's not Torcelli. Um, no, no, Cory Booker's not the other one. I, I know Cory yeah. Booker's the other one. He's not. Tri- um, yeah, 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 yeah. Menendez. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. Bob Menendez. So yeah, because before it was Torcelli, and actually, hey, it's funny you say that. Or well, it's funny I say that, but. 20, 20 something years ago when I was in college in for one of my political political classes that I took, um, we had to do a research paper and I wrote a research paper about how it was um, unconstitutional that they replaced, I think it was Tor- Torricelli, that they replaced him on the ballot at the last minute with Frank Lautenberg. And my, my political science professor, who was a known Democrat, which is fine. Um, he's like basically like, oh, you know more than the courts or whatever. And then that actually came up on a recent episode. I think it was on advisory opinions where like, like yeah, that was blatantly illegal. And I was like, oh, vindicated 20 years later from my... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do know more than the courts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. So Bob Menendez. So yeah, uh, um, John Fetterman came out and said, yeah, like we need to get... Santos's butt out of here, and we also need to get Bob Menendez's butt out of here. That's the guy who was found with like gold bullion or whatever, like in his house. Yeah, yeah. gold bars. So yeah, absurd. Um... But anyway, like the, I was just slightly taken aback by the fact that, and we also asked Dan Newhouse this question in our podcast, and we had him about that vote to expel. George Santos and I I didn't go back to listen to it but in short like yeah the 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 evidence was overwhelming like he misused yeah campaign funds illegally and this is one of the things that bugs me is in this case and in other cases where we're talking about the difference between constitutional like where we're talking about constitutional avenues of expelling members or impeachment and then we have 
people counter with, well, they haven't been convicted of a crime. Well, there's a different process for convicting from a crime versus you are no longer allowed in our organization because of what we believe happened. Because sometimes you are not convicted of a crime, but we still know you freaking did it. So that's... that's It, it, it would be akin to having a videotape recording of one of your employees setting fire to your office building and then firing them the next day and having them turn around and say, but wait a minute, I haven't been convicted yet. So you have no. Yeah. Or, to fire yeah, me. yeah. Or even, um, um, yeah, but, um, that videotape was found on an illegal search and seizure because you didn't have a warrant. So <laughs> yeah, but you still freaking did it and we know it. So yeah, no, it, exactly. And, yeah, I you know I I I'd like to think that the question came from the spirit of uh, you know a chance to sort of celebrate Congress doing its job, standing up on, on principle and and being the adults in the room and saying hey, you'd be wrong. <laughs> even if this isn't even if this isn't good for us politically, this is worth doing because this is a serious institution. Um, I'm I'm probably wrong. Yeah, you're right. I'm probably wrong. And so. But setting aside everything you just said, because I agree with all that, um, the question in any other light than what I just presented is, is absurd. I think I'm almost mostly offended by the fact that you have a chance to ask uh, individuals running for a seat in Congress, which again, pretty important institution, of all the questions to ask, of all the issues before us, of all the things that not only impact our country, but our district, et cetera, why would that be the first one? Why would that be a question asked at all in that day? Uh, it boggles the mind because the things that members of Congress do have actual impacts in our lives. So you'd think the level of seriousness would would magically float to the top <laughs> when you're presented with a chance to ask these people questions. But time and time again, it doesn't. And time and time, time and time again, I am uh, baffled. Yeah, you're you're exactly right there. And and I get it because I I actually when I heard that question and then on the very very long drive home, I I thought about well, literally let's say literally it was a tie. Literally a tie in the Congress or let's say we had one vote in favor of the Republican conference and then if we were to expel this member, it puts that seat at risk. And then suddenly we have a whole rebalance in the speakership and all the dynamics that happen with that change in leadership, you know, uh, the, the chair committee is every, everything, subpoena powers, all that would shift. What then? I would still do it. I, I, I would still say like, we need to have like short term in the, in the history of this country, Granted, we're only we're less than three hundred years old, but hopefully we're going on for hundreds of years more. Short term political gain versus sacrificing your principles is a non starter for me. So, the fact that we had a four, five, six seat margin, and then Dan Newhouse voted to expel like a absolute grifter and someone who is clearly 
a con artist, I have no, no problem with that. And in fact, I applaud him for it. And that's why we asked him about it live. I, I know it was an uncomfortable thing for him to do, but. Plus, in, in raw political terms, that vote does more to pick up seats for Republicans. It should. Than, than it costs them it in the one seat it, they lost. It, yeah. Because all those, all those purple districts, imagine running with, hey, you voted to support a con artist holding on to that seat. Why should I trust you with our tax dollars? You voted to keep a man on there who uh, continually lied and, and stole uh, uh, family members' identities to then set up credit cards, et cetera. Why should I trust you with you know, important issues like national security? So Republicans win and gain way more long-term than they lose in the short term. And, and we lost that seat. So it's not like voters suddenly said like, yeah, hey, they voted yeah, expel them. Yeah. Let's give them their their dude back. But I I think that if you keep your if you keep your soul pure, you you don't have to answer to the nonsense. And so yes, every time, every time, I don't care if it's hurts you in the short term, you take that vote. And so I am I'll say I'll say I'm proud of Dan Newhouse for doing the right thing in that in that situation. But the fact that it Oh yeah, yeah without without question. Well, and so another another question that was asked. All right. If if that's oh. if that's question number one, Look, I'm excited. There were, to see there what were the a lot was. of questions and I so I picked a few highlights and I didn't even get them all down. So, you know, the fact that he had a representative there. The representative said, Dan can't be here. Why might that be? Well, he's off doing the job that we elected him to do. And so it's a Monday night. If it was a weekend or Dan happened to be in the district, other arrangements could possibly have been made. Dan Newhouse is unavailable because he's doing the job that he was elected to do. It's a Monday night. We're in Yakima, and one of the questions was, well, we're the PCOs of Yakima. We're the official representatives of the Republican Party. What is Dan doing that's so important, more important than talking to us? And, well, the answer was, well, he was on this select committee for China, and we talked about that with Mike Gallagher. And they're off having a conversation with multiple other representatives from foreign nations to talk about China. Like they're in this cohort discussing the issue of China as a problem. And the response back, and, and again, there's like 50, 60 people in this room, but... um. The response back was a little tepid, like, uh, okay. And there was one dude, and again, I don't want to impugn the entire body of the Yakima PCOs, but there's one dude who muttered. It wasn't a shout to at the rep representative from the New House campaign, but just muttered uh, audible to where I could pick it up from multiple rows away. So he's off talking to foreigners. And mm. I, I I don't know what to say about that. The 
they think that it's more important that he blow off other representatives from foreign nations talking about China, which I I think at this point is the number one foreign threat because he should be there talking to 60 people, people from Yakima about whether or not they want to endorse him. That's electoral politics as opposed to doing the actual serious work of this, not of this district, of this nation. Yeah, yeah. And I'm all for, look, if you're going to run for Congress, if you're going to run for re-election, don't be lazy. Run, earn your vote, talk to your district, talk to your voters, come back, shake hands, kiss babies. Absolutely yes. And, uh, well, I should say, not everyone may agree with this, but perhaps I'm taking a, a you know, maybe a, a shocking stance here right now on, on this particular issue, but I recall there being a time when we sent members of Congress or sent sent uh, members from our communities to Congress in order to do things like pass laws, uh, address national security threats, not just be on television. So it sounds like maybe Dan would have been given a pass had he been. Oh, he, he, he's on Tucker. He's on Tucker tonight. A, yeah. Uh, he's on Tucker. Fox News hit or News Nation hit or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, and, and I don't think we need to. I'm going to choose to to believe that this is unintentionally, but. You know the the person that that decided me that wants to be a bit hopeful here is I'm going to choose to to believe that some of this is is not picking. That's fine. Um, then I'll use our focuses of the um, broader Yakima Republican Party. But dang, if this isn't seeming to be a bigger trend in the overall uh, Republican Party nationwide, um, the just unseriousness of candidates kind of pushed by the unseriousness of the, not necessarily voters, but the unseriousness of the involved body of the community. So the PCOs, folks who go out and doorbell, folks who go out to these forums, things like this. Um, yeah, I mean, it. it's one of those things where you look around and you got no one else to blame but yourself. <laughs> Uh, when when you're bemoaning the fact that nothing's getting done in Congress, you can look to folks like the two questioners you've highlighted here, and and say you know, people like them are the ones filling these rooms. They're the one propping up these candidates. They're the one going to random fundraisers and saying, um, you know, by all accounts, you're a very unserious individual who's had no other political successes, uh, even remotely close to the level that you're currently running for. So yeah, you should definitely go run for governor or U.S. Senate or Congress, whatever. Um, and so, yeah, hopefully Yakima is a more serious place than what you've described so far. But um, so far, both the questions you've highlighted are disheartening well, uh, and I, unsurprising. Do you have a seatbelt there, Ken? Because you might want to buckle in. Because I <laughs> saved the best for last. And I, I can't remember all the I can't remember all the questions. There's just a few oh. that I sort of jotted down mentally. But this is one where I um you asked earlier about whether or not I thought I was nut picking, and I, I found myself glancing around the room to see if anyone had a look of confusion or consternation 
on their face or maybe shaking their head or eye rolls or something. But I was, I was near the back, so I couldn't necessarily pick up all that. And I, I don't want to say this is representative of the room. And, and I understand that, you know, if someone's saying something wacko or off the wall that maybe everyone's thinking like, mm, I don't know about that. But so it may not be representative of the whole body, but no, at some point, this is when Yasek Kobiasa, again, the other candidate running, as much as Jared Sessler likes to pretend he's not running, he was up there talking about something and, you know, he's uh, he's all into his own populism, but he was interrupted by a questioner that said um, something to the effect of that, you know, Washington, D.C. is not part of the United States. And President Grant, back in 1871, sold the Constitution to a corporation. And we're no longer governed by our Constitution. And Ken, I, I wish I could screenshot your face right now as I'm saying this, because this is why I did this live. <laughs> because... I didn't want you to lose this oh, reaction boy. on me just telling you over text or phone or even pregame. But so we are no longer governed by a constitution. We are a corporation. And then in 1913, the Federal Reserve was established. And since then, we have not been a we have not been a country. We're a corporation, and we're governed by this sep these separate documents. And so, um, I know I threw a lot at you there, and it makes no sense. But allow me to break this down for you because I went ahead and did a little research. Because at first, as I said, I was looking around the room like, oh, "What no. the living f is this guy talking about?" And I was waiting for someone, or I was waiting, what I was really waiting for was a van to pull up next to me and like two guys in nursing outfits to, to come out and walk into the room and like fit this guy for a jacket with sleeves that are a little too long. And, but nobody, no, even Yasek was like, well, yeah, you know, Federal Reserve, blah, blah, yeah, yeah. Um, so this is a full on Q on conspiracy. So I went ahead and did some research on this nonsense that this dude was talking about. So in 1871, President Ulysses S. Grant, and forgive me slightly here because I'm going to do this from my own memory. I don't have notes because I don't want to, I, I started to go down this path and I was like, I could spend, I went down the rabbit hole and I was like, how much of my life do I want to spend going down crazy train here and I don't want to do it I don't want to do it I don't have time for it I'm a busy man for multiple reasons not just like the fact that I have yard work to do I, I have craft to do and I, I and there's already enough reasons in this world to be yeah sad. and I um and and I've I actually have stuff I want to read <laughs> so like and I'm behind on so there's like, I, I'm signed up to all these newsletters that I want to read desperately. And I don't want to read this crap. But this is a full-on QAnon conspiracy that in 1871, 
again, from my own memory. So excuse me, excuse me if you're a whack job and you're listening to this and I get some slight details wrong. Feel free to correct me by sending an email to um, god at gmail.com. I don't know. But in short, in 1871, well, I, I don't know what to, to whether describe what they believe or what actually happened. But I'll, I'll say in, in 1871, I'll try to do it consecutively. Um, in 1871, um, President Grant essentially signed a law that granted some anonymity to Washington, D.C. Because that district had grown so big that the administration from Congress just got, it got overbearing for Congress to, to handle because they're trying to deal with all these national issues. And then in the meantime, they're supposed to be like worrying about plumbing and such in Washington, D.C. They, they turned it into, or they incorporated it, you know, and that, that sounds like a scary word. I almost go to, I, I have to, well, fuck, no. Well, now I have to cut that word out. But now I have to cut in <laughs> the, from South Park about, or no, um, I have to cut in from Team America about the corporation. Let me explain to you how this works. You see, the corporations finance Team America. And then Team America goes out, and the corporations sit there in their, in their corporation buildings, and, and, and see, that they're, they're all corporation-y, and they make money. Hmm? In, incorporated is not a bad word. Like, I live in unincorporated Benton County. Well, what that means is that I don't live in a city that's been incorporated as a part of the county as a unique part of it. So I don't live in Benton City. I don't live in Richland. I don't live in Kennewick. I live in unincorporated Benton County. So essentially they incorporated the Washington, D.C., but there's some weird conspiracies about where they changed some words like literally from like the United States of America to the United States from America or something like that. It's it gets it gets wacko, and I I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. To summarize, um, Congress and well, the United States government were giving power to Washington D.C. to govern itself. And as a side note, I this has been something that has been a sort of conservative and when i say conservative i mean like my fandom of yeah washington dc got too big because it should be small for a reason because then people don't want to stay there they don't want to live there they go back to their districts but instead it's turned into its own metropolis and that that's neither here nor there but really they transferred over governance of this area to a local body they appointed a governor you ulysses s grant appointed a governor to it three years later they turned it into a commission like i think a hundred years later they actually just like let's turn it into a whole city and it was about governing this area this land known as washington dc but mostly because congress didn't have time to like hey um, we need to uh, declare war on this country over here. But in the meantime, we also need to make sure we pave these roads in Washington, D.C. Because Washington, D.C. didn't have paved roads. It was like falling behind the times. 
instead, what we have here is now we have people doing this wordsmithing around what they actually passed and saying, well, they turned our entire system into a corporation. And then now there's this whole QAnon conspiracy that essentially all the amendments that were passed after that are not relevant. And so Donald Trump was going to be inaugurated as the 19th president, as the 19th president on March 4th, because that was the original inauguration date. And so I know now I'm sounding like I'm crazy for, for repeating things that are these conspiracy theories. But in short, that's what this dude was saying is that we're in it. We have a Washington, D.C. is a separately governed country. And the United States, as it exists, is not under the existing constitution. It was absorbed into this new one that was founded in 1871. And I don't know how to make this sound sane. Because it's not. And again, I was looking around the room like, what the F is this dude talking about? No one was saying anything. And then that's why I had to go home and research this stuff. And I still don't feel like I've said anything because there's nothing there. It's just like, it's yeah. twisting words to get Donald Trump into the presidency. I don't understand. I don't understand. But So, yeah, I don't understand. If... If 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 the United States is a corporation, does that make its employees or shareholders? I lost track. Well, the shareholders are all foreign. And so we're all just we're all just part of the system, man. No, no. So it, it there's this thing was like it's incorporated under the city of London, which <laughs> I'm I'm laughing now because I'm repeating things that I've read. Yeah, it, it's all these foreign entities that own the United States. It, it's all wacko. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how to to describe it further without like forcing people down a rabbit hole of nutbaggery. But the fact that someone can say something like that in a PCO meeting when five seconds earlier someone was complaining about the fact that this is the official Republican Party of Yakima County, why isn't Dan Newhouse here? And then. Five minutes later, you have some whack job talking about how this is a QAnon conspiracy that we're not even the United States. We're a corporation. You might even be, might as well be talking about aliens. I I don't know how to deal with these people. And th this is the Republican yeah. Party. And this is what we're talking about. This is when certain candidates are crowing about, oh, I got an endorsement from the Yakima County Republican Party. These are the people that voted for you. And again, I'm not going to say this is everyone in that room, but I was looking around like my head on a swivel, like a middle linebacker, like who the heck believes this nonsense? And no one's saying a thing. They're just allowing people to be nut jobs. And yeah, but in fairness, in fairness to them, uh, sometimes you forget that you're a participant and you want to just kind of sit back and be a, be a spectator and watch this train wreck happen. Uh, it was, it, it was pretty <laughs> casual in the response. And, and I get that. Like, you know, I didn't expect someone to stand up and necessarily like say like, 
shut up, Ralph. Um, <laughs> I didn't really expect that, but really more the point I think is that these are the people that are voting for endorsements. So if you were to shrink it down to a representative portion that is not representative of the county of Yakima. You have a hyper concentration of partisanship and wackiness that is showing up to those events. And that is true of every county in the entire state and entire country. These are the most extreme, the most dedicated, the most polarized, the most entrenched people in partisan politics. And the job of the party, the job of the leadership, if you're an elected, if you are the chair of the party, if you're an elected member of the county leadership, is to slow the roll on those people and try and have a broader coalition. Because if if you're allowing those people to endorse candidates, then... Good luck. Like, that is not representative of the entire population. You are now stuck with an endorsement from people that think the moon landing was faked, basically. Like, I, <laughs> that's what you're getting into. Like, yeah, I, it, it's hard for me to put, to fully put the blame on some of the party leadership in that the party leadership today are more than likely for, and I'm not going to say for Yakima because I don't know enough about their um, party to say this. And, and if you're a member of the Yakima County Party or have been involved with them at all and you're listening to this and would like to disagree or or please reach out, we'd love to have you on the podcast and chat about it. But, you know, I'll just say reflective of most Republican parties nationwide that you hear about today, the leadership today were the wackos in the audience asking insane questions 10 years ago but they kept coming to meetings they kept asking ridiculous questions they got screen time because elected officials in positions that should have known better placated to their crazy because they were able to get 5, 10, 15, 25 dollars a month from these people that now it's it's created a landscape where more crazies think there's a space for them in this party and not just a space for them, but um, that this party represents what most people would look at as they're crazy. So I, everyone deserves blame. I mean, this isn't a, a one person's problem. Uh, so much of the problems of Congress, so much of the problems that we see with, President Trump or the presidential election all the way down are just reflective of, you know, problems that we've been experiencing at a, a smaller local level for a long time. Um, and I, I just think perhaps when other similar um, stenches of crazy have cropped up, we've had people in leadership positions and in institutions with the awareness of the seriousness of the position to say, whoa, 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 this isn't, you know, responsible. This isn't, <laughs> this is insane to push back on it. Um, 
Now you don't. I mean, you have members of the U.S. Senate who are supposed to be the cooling body of American politics. They're saying things as if they're running in three-month cycles. Um, just no one today is in a position, it seems like, or very few people are in positions today uh, willing to, you know, take the more responsible long-term view of things and not just stay, not just be quiet and maybe not ask crazy questions, but to stand up and say, shut up, Ralph, in the room when it's needed. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess for those of you who hear those questions and think, yeah, that's kind of crazy. I hope that's not, uh, What's what it's like at my party and my local Republican party. I hope it's not reflective of, or maybe you're in Yakima and you're thinking, boy, that's what's happening down there. Maybe I should fix that. Yeah. Maybe you should help fix that. T take a page from the crazies. If you take one thing from them and show up and keep showing up and be vocal and ask questions. And when they ask a question about uh, why the United States is a corporation I don't even, I still don't understand the question. Maybe stand up and say, that's not a thing. Let's talk about uh, the current account deficits, or let's talk about um, entitlement reform, or let's talk about China, whatever. You know, show up, get involved. Uh, hey, maybe support organizations like Columbia Basin Conservative Institute, um, a group dedicated to returning normalcy and, and, uh, you know, the adults, if you will, out of the room and standing up for values and principles. So I, if, if you take one thing from the crazies, show up, don't, don't stop being involved because that's the only way to, you know, move things in the right direction, back in the right direction. Well, I think that's exactly right. Is that, well, I, I do blame the party leadership for that reason, because they need to be thinking about winning and you don't win by being whack jobs. And when rank and file voters hear stuff like that, and I'm not saying this guy is being put on a platform and he, they're putting out ads about how, um, or, <laughs> or mailers or commercials that, uh, the United States is a corporation and, and all that. But, they need to temper that stuff. And, and if I was a party leader, I would say, I would turn to my secretary or whoever was next to me. I would say, what's that guy's precinct? Okay. We're finding, we're going to, I'm going to go knock on every single door of Republican voter and get someone to run against that guy. Next election cycle. He's gone, gone, done. I will see you in hell. That's what I would tell that guy. Uh, mostly because I love saying that. Um, but no, point taken, it's it's uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. But you know, how are we going to win? I don't think these people know how to win. I don't think they necessarily care how to win. I think they want to remain pure to their cause. And I think that's unfortunately what is the problem. They don't know how to win. And winning to them is standing by their principles and declaring we should have won electorally 
because we're we're truthful and righteous in our yeah see i'm i, I think giving them too much credit at least the the folks who are in positions of um influence let's say they're not standing by their principles or values because not long ago these same people were you know expressing things like uh free markets are good and traditional conservative values and a lot of them voted for some guy named Mitt Romney. These so many of these people now are standing firmly in their grift. They have found a uh, few notes to trumpet, and they keep just playing it all day. And it's establishment this, we the people that these aren't values or principles that they have believed in for most of their life. I, I, okay, maybe some, maybe some, sure. I'll, I'll give some benefit of the doubt here. Perhaps they have been this crazy all along and are just now are just now feeling safe to express it. But for a lot of these folks, they have found a grift and they get small dollar donations here and there. They get a following on Twitter. They get into a position of leadership in the county party and they want to hold on to it. And so they say the things that got them there. They say the things that get likes and engagement online. Um, oftentimes knowing that what they're saying is, is garbage. Oftentimes knowing that, you know, not more than four weeks ago, they were saying the opposite about somebody else. Um, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All, all that matters is that they keep the con that the grift going. They, they keep, they keep money coming in and they keep their little level of influence, celebrity, notoriety, whatever. Because that's what that's what matters. Anyway, we we need to win. We need to win, and we need to win elections so that we can then use that legitimate political power that's been earned for the right reasons. And unfortunately, we have too many people on our side, and I just want to say our side, meaning the right broadly understood that it's not necessarily about winning. It's about standing up with your principles. And I have principles too, but I also understand the reality of political reality of, of trying to get things done. So um, unfortunately I, I think we're, we're stuck with some candidates in certain positions, but I think there's a lot we can do locally to to do better and support the right candidates. And I, I know what winning is. I don't think everyone else does. You don't know what it means to win.